Gas prices are high due to gas prices not being low as before. To get back to lower prices, we have to acknowledge gas is high, which is the opposite of low. Oh, goodness gracious, our president and vice president are both special needs. We have a far-left prime minister here in Israel that was elected by default. And I just saw on Twitter that you can buy knedlach in a bag. Frozen, pre-boiled matzo balls. Clearly, the world is falling apart around us, and there is not much we can do about it. So I decided to jump on a trend. This week, an Instagram trend went viral thanks to an app called NGL. I'm not sure what NGL stands for, although I'm guessing nobody's going to like. Nobody's going to like the questions that come into this anonymous question box. So here's how it works. There are question boxes that you could throw up in your Instagram story, and people can ask a short question that you can reply to. And a lot of influencers like this because it's a great conversation starter. The thing is, the influencer can see who's asking the question. So now there's an app where you can throw up a link that people click and they can ask questions anonymously. Plus the questions are a little longer. So what happens when you offer your audience the opportunity to say whatever they want <laughs> anonymously? I'll tell you what, a lot of very offended influencers. Now, I played this game. I did not get any questions that were offensive. One person asked me, what was my first kiss? And I said, I'm sorry, folks, not relevant. We kept Chol Yisrael and we didn't have kisses in our house. If you don't get the joke, listen to it again. So <laughs> I put up this question box and most of them were fairly friendly. So that's good. But apparently some influencers got offensive questions and disrespectful questions and hurtful comments. And then it became like a thing. Like, why are we attacking the influencers? And I was just like, didn't you see this coming? But that's what social media is. You manufacture drama so that people can come to your page and pay attention to what you're talking about. And that's fine. But you know what they say, if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen, which is why I haven't stepped into my kitchen since the beginning of June. <laughs> and now that they have frozen matzo balls that you just drop into your soup ready to go, I might never have to step into my kitchen again. Now, I really do like sharing good news with you all. I do. But this morning I took one look at the news and I was like, all of this is depressing. So instead, while we wait for some good news to develop within the next hour or two, I put up a question box on Instagram and I said, just share your, share your thoughts on politics and religion and ask questions that I can use for content on the show. And boy, did you deliver. And we're going to get to those. But first, 3767895 dollars That is the amount of dollars projected to be given to charity over the next 12 months Thanks to all of you who signed up for Daily Giving. How does this work, you ask? Well, you donate a dollar a day, she donates a dollar a day, they donate $5 a day for all their children, and then Daily Giving combines all these daily gifts to create one massive donation to one of their beneficiary organizations. Every morning, Daily Givers receive an email to see the new updated donation amount. This morning, it's 10323 as well as the organization receiving the donation today. 
organizations like Chesed 24-7, RCCS, Shava, Lamana Chai. Now, if you're thinking, why a dollar? Like, what could a dollar possibly do? Do you remember how the Lubavitcher Rebbe used to stand for hours in 770, giving one dollar at a time to people? Those were dollars meant to be given to Tzedakah. The dollar was a keepsake, but another dollar was put in the pushka in its place. But the message is loud and clear. A dollar a day to Tzedakah changes your life. It brings bracha, it brings mazel, it brings atzlacha, and it brings us together. So what are you waiting for? Dailygiving.org slash the weekly squeeze so that they know I sent you. Now let's get to the question box. <laughs> I'm nervous. Here we go. First question, shaitel versus tichel. What is the point of a shaitel if it's so nice you don't know it's a wig? And if you know it's a wig, why not just wear a tichel? Not that I don't love the nice hair. Laughing emoji. Wow, that's a good question. Okay, now I can't speak of anything else besides my own experiences. And I will tell you that I remember clearly as a kid walking to Shoal in Miami Beach over the 41st Street Bridge and one of my mother's friend's hats flew off in the wind into the bay. Like her hat <laughs> just flew off. Like it was a windy day and she was wearing this big straw hat and a gust of wind just lifted it off her head and it, her, her very stout husband, who I've never seen running before, came running with his talus to cover her hair. And ever since, <laughs> I've been afraid to wear a hat without anything underneath. Forget the fact that it's not a great look when you have a round face and freckles. It's also a safety precaution. I'll tell you another story. I was once walking here in the street in Beit Shemesh, and a tree took my scarf off my head. It just grabbed the scarf with its branches and lifted it off my head, and suddenly I was bareheaded for about three seconds until I realized that my tuckle was hanging off a pomegranate tree. Now, I wear a curly shaitol that feels like a fur coat on a hot day. And I wear it every single day because I promised my husband he would get his $3,500 worth. And because with all my adventures, my mountain climbing and my kayaking and my zip lining and camel riding and jeeping, I have never ever once had to run after my wig. My baseball cap, yes. A kid or two, yes. A suitcase that fell off the top of our car, maybe. But a wig, it clips on and you're good to go. Now, the question regarding... If it looks better than your hair, there's no issue with that. As a matter of fact, that's a beautiful advantage because as a woman gets older, let's just say your grandmother does not have a full head of blonde hair. But the wig keeps her looking respectable and presentable. And that's a beautiful thing because as we age, we grow in our spirituality. We grow in our experience. And in the Jewish culture, we respect our parents tremendously. Keep it up, aim is a huge mitzvah. It's one of the Aserah Sedebrais. And to be able to have a culture where a woman's dignity is still intact as she goes into her 70s and 80s because she could put on a beautiful wig and be balabatish and classy and just feel good about herself and, and look beautiful. Well, that in and of itself is a good enough reason for women to wear shaitals. Now, to say that a woman shouldn't wear a shaitol because you might not know it's a shaitol is like saying I shouldn't eat food in public because people might not know it's kosher food. It doesn't matter what other people know. It matters what I know and what I'm doing and what I'm doing it for. Now, if you think that it's only a shaitol that could make a woman look super glamorous and gorgeous and attract attention, you've never seen a Swarti challah where women are wearing their fanciest mitpachot with makeup as thick as the challah dough. And everybody's looking stunning. 
It's not about the hair. Princess Diana had a short boy's haircut, and she was one of the most beautiful women in the world. It's about the person's inside. And if a person projects promiscuity, it will come across whether she's wearing a mitpachat, a straw hat, a shetel, or if you're like me, sometimes all three together. That's right. All right, let's do some entertainment news. There was a music video drop this week that everybody was talking about for a new song from A.B. Rottenberg's Journeys 5 featuring Leif Tahar Music, Ellie Schwebel, produced by Mary Kay. Now, if you haven't seen the video, it's kind of a it's a Pirates of the Caribbean themed music video on a boat. Everybody's dressed like pirates. There's a monkey. It's a big budget production, clearly, and they're marketing it as a feature film disguised as a music video, one that raises the bar for all Jewish music videos from here on forward. Is it a cool video? Yes. Is it a cool song? Yes. But I have an opinion, and here it is. I don't think we need music videos that are that big of a budget. I don't think it's fair to all the other singers who now have the pressure to come up with something even more. Like, what would you like us to do now? Would you like us to film on the moon or in Mars? Would you like me to ask Elon Musk if he could arrange a trip to space so we could do something really epic. I I mean, you know what I mean? It's like at some point, we're not them. We don't have their budgets. And doing something like this, yes, it's, it's fun and it's cool, but is it necessary? I feel like it's a little indulgent. I do. I feel like it's a drop indulgent to spend that much money on a video. I don't think the money comes back. I think whoever is listening to A.B. Rottenberg's music is listening to A.B. Rottenberg's music and that the music video is not really going to change sales as much. Is it fun for Mayor Kay and is it good for his reputation as a producer? Yeah, but when I think about the kind of money that was spent on this one music video, the amount of singles that could have been produced, the amount of concerts that could have been put on, it just seems a little exorbitant. That said, I felt the same way about Harsha, and that was a great video. So who knows? I bless them that it should be with tremendous success and get millions of views, which is a risk these bearded Jewish pirates are clearly willing to take. All right, let's get to another question. We'll get to the news. We will get to the news. Everybody hang in there. If you don't know what's flying and you don't look at any other websites besides the Weekly Squeeze, I'm going to hook you up. By the time we're done here, you'll know who went where, why they went there, and, and when they're coming back. Okay, but let's get to another question. What is your <laughs> What is your relationship with your husband really like? Ooh, that's a good question. All right. My husband and I are soulmates. We are meant to be together. We are bashert. We have beautiful children. We have a beautiful life. We have similar hashkafais. We have a long-term plan for our life, for our family, and Baruch Hashem, we have wonderful shalom bias most of the time. The thing that makes our particular union complicated is the fact that we are so different as far as our living habits go. My husband is a night owl. I am an early bird. My husband snores. I don't. He loves lavender. I love cinnamon. We haven't had a scented candle in this house since we got married. My husband is a disciplinarian. I'm a free thinker. He has a full head of gray hair. I spend all his money. So there's there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of differences between us. But that, my friends, is what makes for an interesting and exciting podcast. I mean marriage. All right, let's get to another question that came from you guys anonymously. Here we go. What if your child loved food coloring and it was a flag? That is a good question. Well, I think that one of the reasons that children love food coloring is because it's so readily accessible and because they're not really aware of how unhealthy it is to have a food coloring diet 
in the long run. So you might think to yourself, a cupcake with food coloring on it once in a while, or, you know, a purple drink. Is it really such a big deal? And mind you, food coloring could be in food that's not even colored. It's already used just in everything for the heck of it. That if they understood how unhealthy the food coloring was and how it really serves no purpose in this world other than to make things more exciting and that people actually use it to make unhealthy food look more appealing, I'd suggest they look around at the world and see all the beautiful things that Hashem, all the beautiful food Hashem created without food coloring that is full color and not destructive and not damaging and not purposeless. Now, if my child still insists in having a diet that is full of food coloring, I will love him just the same. Will I worry? Yes. Will I hang up colorful flags on my porch? No, because food coloring, in my opinion, is not healthy. It's not natural. It's not good for us. And I wouldn't want to convince other people otherwise. All right, let me take a quick look at the news to see if there's anything worth discussing. Highland Park, Iran, anti-Semitism, Ukraine, anti-Semitic. They haven't found Lashi Kleinerman yet. Confirmed dead. Colorado woman pleads guilty to stealing human bodies. Ooh, that's interesting. 45-year-old woman crafted an executed plan to steal until hundreds of bodies and body parts. <laughs> oh, gosh. You know what? Never mind. Back to the questions. Okay. You say you always hate cooking. What about baking? Do you bake challah? Okay, that that's a complicated situation because I have attempted to make challah so many times, including the last three weeks, and my heart is in the right place, and my bowl is in the right place, and I have people like Jamie Geller that I could message. I actually WhatsApped her. I said, Jamie, please help with the challah. Just give me a tip. And she wrote back, do not stress. So I didn't stress, and the challah came out terrible. My husband was a little stressed, but... Well, the first week the challah came out, kind of, it kind of spread in the oven. So I told my husband I made lafa. The second week, it came out really salty, and that's because I used my tablespoons. And it turns out that there are special... Did you know there are special tablespoons for baking? Did you know that? Well, I didn't know that. The third week, I was like, forget this challah. I'm just using regular white flour. And then I burnt the challah. That has nothing to do with the actual recipe. That just has to do with the fact that I burnt everything. So that's it. That's where we're holding with the challah situation. But this week, I have a new recipe, and I'm going to share it with you because I feel like this one is a winner. Here we go. This is Charlene Aminoff's ultimate challah recipe. Step one, remove your rings. Step two, put them in the safe. Step three, switch to a Gali's Wigs pony shaitel. Step four, put on your heels so you can reach the bowl. Now, these are the ingredients. Everybody uses pretty much the same ingredients, but I think it's more of the technique and the thought that goes behind the actual process. So I'm just, I'm reading, I'm reading straight from the recipe. Like these, this is exactly how Charlene does it. I don't want to leave out any details, especially because Jamie also told me that challah baking is a science. So we're going to be really specific here. The basic recipe is the regular ingredients, flour, sugar, salt, eggs, oil, yeast, huh, and water. Okay. Prepare your ingredients on the counter. Then go daven mincha, nishmat kolchai, and say the whole tehillim. Then you mix the yeast, warm hot water, sugar, blah, 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 15 minutes, oil, eggs, mix, flour. Okay, that's all pretty standard. But this is a very specific recipe, so let's, let's just make sure we get this right. So while the yeast is fomenting, go to the window, raise your hands up in the air, and yell to Shamayim, Hashem, we need Mashiach, 10 times. 
Then she writes, mix or knead very well, all the while davening and not hearing or speaking Lashon Hara. If you want, you could do what I do and just say, I'm obsessed with my kids over and over and name them one by one. Kid one, I'm obsessed with you. Kid two, I'm obsessed with you. Kid three, I'm obsessed with you. And so on and so forth. Coverable with saran wrap. Let rise for one hour somewhere warm like a fireplace if you live in a big, beautiful Brooklyn house. <laughs> uh, punch down and let rise again for an additional hour. Connect north, south, east, and west and form an egg-sized ball of dough. Now, this is where you have to adjust the recipe to fit your lifestyle. Hold the dough above your head and say, I love you, Jonathan. Thank you for the dough. That's right. Please laugh. This is a comedy show. I love Charlene. I have tremendous respect for her. I'm obsessed with her. She inspires me and she has a great sense of humor. Just laugh. Okay, next. Braid is desired. Let rise for another 45 minutes while you jump up and down singing, I love you, Hashem. That's very important. If you have a thank you, Hashem sweatshirt and any other paraphernalia that you can wear or a darbuka that says thank you, Hashem, and you can get the whole family involved, kind of like a kumbaya slash African dance party in the kitchen while the challah dough is rising. It's more effective, but whatever you can muster, but the jumping up and down is crucial because perhaps the vibrations help the challah dough rise, something to do with the yeast that she uses. But yeah, thank you, Hashem. Make a reservation at Fuego for dinner. It actually has nothing to do with the challah recipe. I don't even know why she put it in here. Uh, bake challah on the oven for 25 to 30 minutes. And that's it. Tiskula mitzvah. May all your tefillot be answered Litova, And may your challah taste as delicious as the man in the midbar. Well, fat chance, considering you put yeast in your recipe. But whatever. But that is Charlene's ultimate challah recipe. Let me know how it comes out. And I'm going to try this whole yeast thing. This episode of The Weekly Squeeze has been brought to you by A Maggot's Tale, the only Jewish website that offers audiobooks for your family to enjoy. What easier way for your children to learn about some great tzaddikim, including the Maharal, Rashi, the Rambam, Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, Rabbi Shaila, Rav Arn Kotler, and for less than $10 a book. Plus, you can use the promo code SQUEEZEBOOKS20 and get 20% off your purchase today. There are books for kids, Schepter, The Cheery Bim Bam, Chaim Kol the Dreamer, and Give Me the Moon from acclaimed author Libby Lazenik. Checkout is quick and easy, and you can download the audiobook to any of your digital devices and enjoy it forever. The book is yours to listen to over and over again. So head over to amagetstale.com, use the promo code SQUEEZEBOOKS10, and enjoy a ever-growing list of Jewish audiobooks for you and your entire family. Now, I love telling you about Israeli startup companies and all the brilliant ideas that come out of this country. And this is no different. This website is called eternityws.com and it preserves the life story of your loved ones after they pass. Let me explain. In a world where we are all online and connected technologically, do we live forever or do our memories fade and will they disappear with the apps that eventually might be bought out by other apps? We don't know if the stuff we post on Facebook will be here in 100 years. Well, EternityWS.com is the reason why gravestones might each have a QR code on them that you can scan with your phone when you are visiting a grandparent or somebody who has passed. And with one quick scan of your phone, you will be connected to the memorial website and to the personal story of the person that you loved. 
Here's an example. Leora Gaffney, 1953 to 2017. The quote that she is remembered for is, don't take things too much to heart. There's a short synopsis of her story and then a timeline featuring pictures of her family, her professional life, her wedding, her grandchildren, so on and so forth. Um, well, what do I think of this? It's definitely interesting. I, I, I get it. I definitely get it. It's kind of like a memory vault where we can put memories and moments and experiences and pictures and just everything we know and have about that person in one place so that we can revisit it on a yard site or send it to a friend who maybe wants to mourn with us from afar. Let's say a, a shul is built in someone's memory or a donation is given in someone's memory. The plaque can have a QR code that people can scan, go to the website and see who this person was, the timeline of their life, and learn other beautiful things about them. So I, I kind of get this. I know what you're thinking. How much does this cost? That's our Jewish mentality. I didn't even like my Uncle Fred. I don't know if he's worth more than 100 bucks. Well, I'll tell you like this. It's $320, 12 payments. You get a gigabyte of storage. Or you could do $8 a month, which is a renewable subscription. You could cancel. Let's say you have a bad dream. Or Mashiach comes, you can cancel. So that's very convenient. EternityWS.com public memorial website. All right, let's get another anonymous question. Here we go. Gets me really nervous how obsessed you are with women in magazines, and I'm debating if I should unfollow. You don't have to buy those magazines, or you can make your own with women on every single page, but why down their backs? Why are you down their backs? They have their standards, and we don't actually have to like it. I actually appreciate that there are no pics of women so that my husband can read the magazines too while keeping our standards. And I'm sure there are plenty of people who buy the magazines and are like us. Live and let live. Okay. <laughs> I, I really didn't want to go into this, but just just real quick. I am not obsessed with the magazines. The magazines are obsessed with me. I am here on Instagram doing my thing, sharing my music, featuring Hanala, the brand, the face, the person, the singer here in the flesh, and they are taking my audience away from me and telling them, you don't need Instagram. Instagram is no good. It's bringing down our generation. Get offline. Come read our magazines. In our magazines, we're going to give you the chizuk that you need to keep your family technology free. And that is not fair business. If the magazines are going to take away my customers, then at least let me feature myself, my brand, in your magazines. This is just one tiny, tiny part of the argument. And I said on Instagram this week that if Mishpacha Magazine and Ami Magazine were to feature women in their women's magazines, I would close my Instagram account and pull full-page ads in both of their publications. I think that's fair, but until that day comes, I am going to take it personally that the magazines keep pushing people to go offline, and every single Shabbos, women are reminded that if they're using Instagram, they're not part of this movement to make Amis Roll holier, giving them a guilty conscience that makes many women just sign offline because the chas don't want to do something that, you know, they'll be responsible for the downfall of Am Yisrael. Now, could we open our own magazine? Technically, yes, it's a massive undertaking, but it could be done. But right now, these two magazines have the monopoly. Everyone reads them. They are the most purchased and read Jewish magazines 
in the world. So that's where my attention lies, on the magazines that are trying to get my Instagram followers to feel guilty and go offline, and then telling me, well, the other option is being invisible in our articles. And that doesn't work for me. So if the magazines want to feature my podcast advertisement and my album covers in their women's magazine so that I can share my music, my, my, my beautiful Jewish music with their readers, then by all means, I'll cancel my Instagram account. I'm not afraid. But until the day comes, I will be here with you, <laughs> who, by the way, you shouldn't be on Instagram answering your questions why women should be in magazines that your husband shouldn't be reading. I don't have to be invisible so that your husband can read the magazine. That's right. All right. One more question. How'd you become so funny? Why sing when you could be a comedian? I am a comedian. That's why the podcast is doing so well. And that's why you're sharing it with your friends and leaving me five star ratings. And the podcast is on its way to being the number one Jewish podcast in the world. Should I say? Possible. Thanks for all your messages and emails supporting the show. This is from Ahuva. So every time we get into the car, it's just me and my nine-year-old for two weeks. She says, weekly squeeze, please. Even before music. She and I, of course, love listening and laughing. Well, I'm so glad you're here and I'll see both of you next week.